This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I, I, I've accused you of this before, but I do think there's some PD stuff going on with you. No, you know I really genuinely do. I think you're doing stuff. You know, in my brain, I'm 19, and I've yeah. told you this many times, and it's true. I've never eaten a vegetable in my life. That's the key? No vegetables. That is the key. People don't <laughs> believe it, but anybody who knows me will tell you that I've had a life of meat, poultry, fish, starch, and dairy. And I've never had a vegetable. You go to any restaurant that I frequent, and they know when I walk in that... Uh, that the vegetables go to the dumpster. So I think that's part of the thing. I think in about uh, 60 or 70 years, I will go on whatever the Oprah of like 2080 will be. And I will have lived to be 160, 170 years old. And golf. Will, golf that, helps you. That, golf, uh, yeah, a little bit, even though right now I'm, uh, I'm fighting through a little uh, uh, spinal stenosis. But the key is, Bill, the key is um, no vegetables, uh, be enthusiastic, feel like you're 19 in your brain and get to work yeah. with the people that I work with. I mean, I, everybody's always saying in my business, Hey, I've got the best producer, director, analyst, but I do. I've been with these guys, Fred Goodelli for 15 years, Drew Essekon for 16, our producer and director, Chris Collinsworth. How lucky am I? I had John Madden for seven years. And then when John retired, I got Chris. I mean, that's DiMaggio retires and you get mantle. How often does that happen? I mean, basketball will be your legacy ultimately, but and, you'll and, have the other stuff too. And Bob Marathon, Costas. I of, Bob of Costas. Yeah. Basketball was so bad. It's one of those things that in life, sometimes <laughs> things are so bad, they're good. So, I mean, it was so horrible. And when the movie came out, I was embarrassed, but now I'll see it once in a while on cable and I'll laugh like crazy as if I'm in the third person watching all this nonsense that Bob Costas and I were forced to do that day. But you also, you have the trump card over Costas for life because you got paid more than he did and you always get to brag about that. And then he found, what did he find out the last second that you no. were making more? 
No, 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 no. I found out. Oh, that, you found out. Remember, so and then people, it's, it's in my book, and, you know, I go on to Amazon once in a while, and I'll read the review, and somebody says, oh, what's wrong with Michaels? You know, he, he he's bitching about making 10000 or 15000 I I, I want to tell them, folks, this is not what I, I made. This was what the studio lied to me about. Right. They said that every announcer in basketball, and you had, I think, uh, Dan Patrick was in it, and... Uh, Jim Lampley. So they told you figures for the. They people. said it's yeah. it's a what they call favored nations, most favored nations. So if you want to be in the movie, here's what we're paying each of the announcers. We're paying them ten thousand bucks. So I looked at the script. I was a little nervous about it. I really didn't want to do it. Costas called me up and he said, "I'm doing it." Why don't you do it? So I'm figuring, all right, so Bob's going to do it. And he and I, at that time, I'm at ABC. He's at NBC. We're, we were good buddies, and we thought we'd have a lot of fun with it. Because the guys, you know, who did Airplane and, yeah, and uh, Major League and all of that were, were part of the uh, of the movie. So I decided to do it. And then they gave me an extra $5,000 because they had to fly everybody else in. But I lived here. All right, so I got 10. I got the same 10 plus, you know, five for expenses. So Costas and I were on the set and uh, we're thinking to ourselves <laughs> toward the end of the day, you know, oh boy, this could be a career ender. And then Bob says to me, well, at least it's a good payday. And I said, excuse me? Yeah. And Bob, well, and then Bob realizes he's probably said something he shouldn't. Uh-oh. So we flip a coin, we flip a coin and the loser has to tell the winner what he's getting. So I lose. <laughs> and but the winner then has to come up right. and then and, and, and the loser has to come up and then say what 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 he's getting so i say i get uh, i got the 10 plus 5 fifteen thousand. bob goes i got 50 i went excuse me 50 50 so, so he, he, he the was Trump card. the studio lied to us and this was what the whole thing was about so when people get on my ass about i'm so greedy no i'm not i'm going the studios are so greedy these bums were liars so I called my lawyer right off the bat. I, it's, the, the money was irrelevant at that point. It was the fact I'd been lied to. Here's Costas getting 50. You don't have to defend this to me. I, I, but you know what? Why, why am I defending it to you? Wait, that's you, that's you a good you're question. You're defending yourself against two weirdos on Amazon. I, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, it, is, it was a great story. And anyway, I wound up getting the same thing that Bob got. And the movie, you know, the movie grossed about. I don't know, fourteen dollars or whatever it did. Right, but but then again, you know, you the, points, the, the studios, the studios are always good at 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 basically attempting to screw talent, especially if we're ancillary talent, like Frank Gifford and Dan Deeruff and I. We, we were on Monday Night Football. They wanted us to do Jerry Maguire, and we did it. And we were in about you know seven or eight minutes worth of it, you know, doing commentary, et cetera, et cetera. I think they paid us each like five thousand dollars. Okay, so is that a lot of money? I guess. Well, sure it is to some people, but on the other hand, the studio made about three hundred million. So excuse me. So you mind if you know? I'm Tom Cruise made you know eighty gazillion dollars, and we made like five thousand before taxes. Is, You're right. Why am I sitting here? Are you and Costas friends or frenemies? No, we're we're very good friends. You're not frenemies. No, not at all. He's Why? like your rival, right? If you look Not at the really. last 40 years, you guys were kind of on the same corner a little bit. Well, but you know what? We, we had- Play-by-play, play, famous people, yeah, Olympics, we had par- we had famous parallel, announcers. We had parallel paths. West Coast, East Coast. Yeah, but he you know, he was at NBC and I was at ABC for 30 years. And then when I went to NBC- Different networks. Well, that but, but it, it wasn't a matter of, of- We weren't rivals. I know. I'm just trying to start shit. I know. There you are. Why are you doing this? <laughs> 
I, I buried my soul with this basketball nonsense with you, and now we're back to uh, to, to creating a really? rift no, between Costas. No friend of me stuff with Costas. Costas and I, we in fact, we had dinner as of uh, Saturday night. Costas has to be a little jealous of your uncanny ability to end up announcing great games. You did it again. You announced a game that had two Hail Marys in the same drive. Right. Every time you've been on my podcast, we always talk about the unbelievable luck you've had and how maybe it's not luck. Maybe when you're in the building, weird shit's going to happen or memorable shit or all this. And here we go. This last one, two Hail Marys in the same drive. By a team that had already won a game yeah. on a Hail Mary. Well, I guess, you know, in all of these years, and I've done the number one game in the NFL now uh, for the last 30 years, which is, like, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy from 1986 You're on. talking the number one prestige night game. Right. 20 years of Monday night football. What was your first Monday night football? 1986. 86. Wow, right, three with Frank, decades. With Frank Different. Yeah. Frank Different. So, yeah, I've done it for 30 years and then 10 years of Sunday Night Football, which is, you know, the, it's the number one show on television. I have to get that in. It's just not a brag. I it's, feel like Sunday Night Football is a little bit bigger than, than Monday than, Night Football was near the end. Well, I think it just that Sunday night feels bigger. It 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 might, and I, there's a reason for that, too. I mean, when I was at ABC and did Monday Night for 20 years, uh, the, the, the feeling was from the company, hey, yeah, we're losing money on your package. You're a loss leader. You're just there so that we can promote our other shows. Yeah. And kind of and, and, and you had like business affairs guys trying to put us in hotels that we didn't want to stay in to save twenty eight dollars on a gazillion dollar package. So that's That a, doesn't sound like Disney. Well, that this was pre what? this was pre Disney. This was Oh, this is pre Disney. This was pre Disney. Well, this was even the old ABC one. Capital Cities came in, but it wasn't. Capital Cities was pretty good, I got to say. Okay. They, they they ran a good ship, but it's always some business affairs guy who wants to be a hero. Yeah, and I I just saved thirty eight dollars on somebody's per diem. Yeah, so that was kind of the feeling at at ABC. We never felt exalted in any way. It was like, hey, you guys are out there, go do your job, and you're there as a vehicle to promote everything else on the network. Trust me, it hasn't changed at ABC. Well, I might know a couple people who it, work it there. Might. The difference was when Dick Ebersole got Sunday Night Football at NBC, the the priority for the network became, became to promote Sunday Night Football. Not to use Sunday Night Football as a promotional vehicle. Right. This but is our let's best make, thing. Let's make Sunday Night the thing. You know, Everybody got treated extremely well. And uh, that led it, to their nine-person pregame show. There was like no expense was spared. Well, yeah, Bob Costas leather jackets. Right. Let's do it right. Of course, different leather jacket for Bob every week. My scarves, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, the whatever, whole thing. Whatever, whatever you wanted, and that you know that to me was a little bit of the difference, and that's why you know all of us who are doing Sunday Night Football right now are, are extremely proud of it. Obviously. And very it's, happy to it's be a, a part great, of it. It's a great telecast. It really is. It's the production value. I have no dog in this race. I just yeah. like football. I, I'm always happy when you guys do a Pats game, which is how I judge this stuff by. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is great. Yeah. We have the A team doing the Pats tonight. Yeah. This is my, the replays are going to be great. The announcers are going to be good. Collinsworth's going to tell me things about my team. Yep. And the thing, I always judge the, uh, the color guys by when they're doing my team. Are they noticing the right things? Mm -hmm. Are they noticing the holes? You bet. Are they noticing the things we're good at? And he just was just banging it out. Do they know what you know as a fan who follows it around yeah, the clock? because the fans know their team the most. It's exactly. like how you know your kids or your wife or whoever. Exactly. And that's so, why Chris is so good because yeah. not only does he know your team, he knows everybody else's team. All right, I have an important question. Sure. You're adding five games. Right. 
on on uh, Thursday nights. Yeah, you're announcing those games. Well, yeah, I mean, we're all the the the, the number one crew, producer, director. You're doing Thursday and Sunday. A number five of, times. A, a number of extra. Yeah, right. Right now, we're trying to figure out exactly how this is going to work because we've got there's a Christmas thing in here and there's all kinds of stuff. But yeah, we'll do some extra games for sure. One of the things I love about you is you're like me. You don't do things for free. You don't just add games to your contract. You're gotta, getting paid for this. I got to find out what Costas is getting. You're getting paid for this. <laughs> I don't want this to be a basketball. Well, yeah. What'd you, you tell them? Like, I'll let, do let an extra question. two mil a game. No, let me ask you a question. Charter. So what, what, you want to be my agent? Yeah. I think you should get an extra million a game. Well, uh, you just think, add what, it on. What was it? The cast of what was it? Friends that, yeah. that they held Favored out at the Nations. end, right? And they all got together and they basically said, "If you want us to do one more year, you guys have so much leverage. They can't put the B team on the Thursday night. It's got to be you and Collinsworth. Get Chris, hold out. Get Chris on the phone right now. Hold you? out. Call Chris. Just call tell him, him we'll do him it. I mean, we're happy to do it, but you know, charter. Hey. Just pick me, up, pick me up at Brentwood Airport. <laughs> right, Take me right to the right, game. At the VA, of course. Build, build a runway. <laughs> I need a runway outside my house. I couldn't be happier at NBC. They've been great. They've been phenomenal. Well, I'm, I am worried right. a little bit because there's a theory because you, you can't talk about other announcers, but Sims and Nance were a little spotty. I'm, gonna, I'm being kind. I don't want to put your knives in a bad position, but it's tough to do two games in one week. And I, and I think it hurt those guys having to worry about too because it's not like you guys just show up and do the games. Correct. You're flying around. You got to do the research. You got to yep. talk to everybody. You yep. have a nice life. Well, I mean, for those guys, uh, CBS, the last two years, they did the whole season. I know. I think that's so, crazy. I don't well, think yeah, that's I mean, a that, I don't that, think that I looked at that schedule and I went, whoa, boy, you know. And Because um, like, like mentally, you have to have the right sure. energy. Yeah. You have to know everybody and every team. You can't right. screw up. Mm -hmm. yeah, you have people, to be totally versed. People think, uh, what do you do? Do you show up at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon on <laughs> right. Sunday? Just put a jacket on. And I'm on. going, you know, when I'm flying home from a Sunday game, I'm already into what's going to happen uh, next week. So yeah. you're, 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 it's like I, I, I liken it to taking a final exam every week. Yeah. and you, It's hanging over your head. It's hanging over your head. You, you know, you, you, no matter how much work you do, you always feel as if you got something else that you have to do because you never know who's going to be the hero or the star. And it may be somebody that you really don't have a chance to, to take a really good look at yeah. uh, along the way. I mean, look, the Super Bowl last year, I'm very lucky I was able to identify Malcolm Butler's interception at the moment it happened. And part of it was he'd been involved in the play with Curse a couple of plays before. Because when I'm studying for that game, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Malcolm Butler, but I'm looking at Malcolm Butler as like the 42nd guy on the roster. He was, he's he was not like a our sixth D-back. Correct. And he's only in the game because, you know, Arrington wasn't playing very well and they had to make some changes. So there's a little bit of luck involved. But I mean, you know, I had studied everybody, but certainly you're going to know a hell of a lot more about Tom Brady than you are about Malcolm Butler going to the Super Bowl game. But that's the thing about, you know, the preparation. We never we never feel as if we're totally done. It's always as if, okay, we think we're 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 locked down pretty well here, but there's always something. And I, I don't know what it is, but you know, with Chris and with myself and with John Madden and all of uh, the, the guys that I've worked with through the years, it's it's as if, okay, we're ready to go, but you know what? This 
there's probably something on the side we haven't thought about. And that's the, that's the scary part of it. I got to tell you. Collinsworth and I still have some healing to do, because, even though I think he's the best. Yeah. Well, he did the 10 minutes to go. My team's trying to come back to win the Super Bowl. Right. And he does the whole, I told Tom, look into my eyes. And do I, and it's like, and now it turns out this was this totally contrived story that was completely misreported. The Patriots got railroaded. You should care. Bob Kraft is your friend. We lost our first round pick. We yeah. can't draft a lineman. Collinsworth, we're driving to win the Super Bowl. He's talking about how he wanted Tom Brady to look into his eyes. Then we get the Malcolm Butler play and he immediately shifts into, I can't believe how badly Seattle screwed up. This was the Henderson play. Dave. This was the Dave Henderson homer of Super Bowl plays. Can I, I just can I enjoy the fact that my team just made the greatest defensive play to win a, win a Super Bowl ever for for five seconds? You were in a you were in a. Do room. I have to hear about Pete Carroll? Hold on a second. You apparently were at Pete at uh, Jimmy Kimmel's party with about I was, nine thousand people of with whom, a lot of Boston fans, right? And eight thousand of them are are doing their analysis. Yes. So you're able to hear what Chris is saying during uh-huh. that period of time. No, this was the, this was when I enjoyed oh, the you replay. Went, and now you this want to go back I and the look DVR. at the tape? Okay. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to really oh, come I'm gonna on. Get, truth I'm be gonna told, get, I'm going to get seconds. Yeah, I'm get my seconds because the yeah. first time you're just hugging everybody. No, right. but we did hear the look in their eyes live, and I got mad. Well, but because there's ten but, minutes but left. Do that in the second no, quarter. No, no, he didn't. Do, he didn't do ten minutes on it. it would, he no, he, it was ten minutes left in the game. Right. You you have to admit that the Brady thing was treated differently than this Manning Al Jazeera thing, which is equally wacky. Where the announcer's like, "Ah, let's not bring this up." It's like, well, why are we bringing the Brady thing up? Why are we reporting stuff when we don't well, even know what the facts are? Look, I, I think we handled it correctly during the Super Bowl because the basic. When the game started, I said something along the lines of, look, everybody knows what this story is. Right. So don't belabor it. And people were saying to me before the game, the press in particular, how much are you going to deal with this? I said, people know what this is. We will mention it. But unless we have new and relevant information, move on. People want to watch the game. He didn't tell Collinsworth that. No, but he, if he said it. I, I had to hear about Brady looking in his eyes. But what was that, 10 seconds? Ten seconds in a three and a half hour telecast. Do you guys? Do you honestly think Tom Brady was in this scheme to deflate balls before games? You've seen how busy quarterbacks are, right? He's 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 like, hey guys, I can't talk about the playbook now. I gotta I gotta make sure they're deflating the ball by four percent. Are you telling me you don't it's think a, that there's a scintilla of chance of uh, of an op, of a chance that Tom just with, with a wink and a nod? I'm not saying he did or he didn't. I don't know. Is it guys, a better scintilla than... What did the guy do in the bathroom with the, the bag of balls? I think he went to the bathroom. You're going to probably go to the bathroom during this podcast. I probably won't because I went to the bathroom <laughs> before the podcast. But I mean... Is it know. a scintilla evidence that... You won the Super Bowl. What are you... What are you? I feel like it's been tainted. Hanging on to I lost sport. my pick. What do you mean you I lost no your pick. pick? I lost a first round pick over this whole thing. Doesn't matter. They picked People guys. still bring it up. Brady got booed at Super they, Bowl 50. He's the pick, greatest quarterback of all time. He got booed. Maybe it's because of Sarah High School. They had people who were, were you know, who. Oh, you think? It actually know, was probably because of the was, Denver fans. I know. It was, it, they, they were Denver fans, I'm sure. What was and, your and take? Look, there's, there's a lot of this jealousy that no surrounds the, the Patriots. People think they've won too much. Well, yeah. you know Kraft really well. Yeah. I mean, you they know do. Goodell a little bit. You know a lot of NFL people. You know a lot of owners. I would think so. You rub shoulders. I would think it so. It does seem like people resent the Pats a little bit, think Kraft and Goodell a little too close. 
Oh, you're letting this guy get away with stuff again? That was all part of this, right? People hated the Dallas Cowboys when they were successful. Yeah. They still hate them. They hated the New York Yankees when they were successful. It doesn't matter. When you have a dynasty, people are jealous. They're going to try to knock it down. They they try to knock it down. We live in in a world now, we live in a world of snark to begin with, right? That's true. So nobody wants to say, oh my God, how great, how wonderful. It's all hunky dory, peachy keen. That world doesn't exist anymore. People are always looking for the underside, especially in today's world of anti-social media. Not social media, anti-social media. Well, somehow you've avoided most of this. In terms People of- People love Al Michaels. Well, but not everybody. They like when you call the game. It's like everybody loves Raymond, but not everybody. I mean, you know, what, whatever it is. And yes, granted, I think most of the blowback feedback toward me has been, you know, pretty good, but- not everybody's going to love me. You you can't do a game in front of 20 million people every week and 20 million people are going to love you. Sorry, a lot of people are going to despise you, not even know who you are, uh, annoying, annoy people. So I'm used to that. That comes with the territory. Um, you know, you know, you go about your job. You do the best job you can. There's nobody. Name somebody. Name somebody. Who Who's is thrown a perfect game? Who, yeah, who doesn't get some sort of you know snark feedback? Well, you and I have a lot of things in common, including that the Dave Henderson home run was one mm-hmm. of the greatest moments of both of our lives. Best baseball game I ever saw. Oh my god! Back into the left, <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> That's the only time I, I actually lost my mind. I, yeah. I was at my Aunt Jen's house and I actually ran around and ended up outside and I didn't know how I got there. Yeah. I was in the front yard. I'm like, I'm in the front yard. Yeah. yeah uh, was, but anyway, here's what else we have in common. After we left ESPN slash ABC slash Disney, we were both painted as temperamental, difficult assholes. Mm-hmm. Well, to and a we degree. Aren't. Yeah, to a degree. And we aren't. You to about 30 times the degree I was. 30 times? 25. No way. Yes, like you were. A little more. Come that on. is bad. Yeah. I, I don't be, think we're difficult. I kind of slid out the door, you know. I don't think we're difficult. Yeah, but they no, do the, the same thing to Dan Patrick, too. It's like, ah, he's a pain in the ass. Right. Somebody leaves oh, oh and my it's like, yeah, yeah. This, this guy's The a word gets around. Oh, thank right. God we got rid of him. Right. Yeah. Right. And meanwhile, Dan Patrick's doing well. You're doing well. Correct. I'm doing well. Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen's doing well. Guy, a lot right. of people end up doing well. Right. Yeah, because hey, sometimes it's time to it's time to leave. Isn't it interesting that nobody ever talks about the culture at ESPN? They always talk about the people who had trouble in the culture. It's never about, hey, maybe this culture isn't a great culture if they have trouble coexisting with talented people. Well, Maybe there's something wrong with that. I mean, there have been a couple of books written about it. Didn't Jim Miller write, write a book that yeah. he, he talked about? It's funny that culture. it never gets spun around, though. It's always uh, it's always the individual people who are the difficult ones. Well, look, uh, there are a ton of people that we've known who've come and gone and all of the rest. I know, you know, I wasn't at ESPN. I was at ABC Sports. Yeah, but ESPN was running right, ABC it, Sports, it, yeah. It started to at that point. Yeah. And, but I was still over on the ABC side. And I left. I left because when ESPN got Monday Night Football, and I could have stayed and I was going to stay, but 
John Madden was basically told, we don't want you. Fred Gadelli, best producer of all time. Literally the best you. producer of all time. We don't want you. Yeah. Drew Esikoff, best director I've ever worked with. No question about it. We don't want you. They were shoved out the door. And when they went out the door, I'm going, wait a second. That's my team. And, and they don't want them? And the guy who came in and was given free reign to pick all the guys he wanted, wanted people who would say, oh, you're the best. We love you. You Great. have the greatest ideas. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, I do. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to stay and do Monday Night Football, but I wanted to be with John Madden and Fred Gadelli and Drew Esikoff. And they Did were you told, we don't that- want you. Did you know at the time Sunday Night Football was actually going to immediately become bigger than Monday Night Football or not? I did not. And in fact, I was shocked when the whole thing came about because I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. Monday night should always be the primary game because on Sunday there are several games. And by the time you get to Sunday night, people have maybe watched one game, two games or whatever, or parts of games. So it's, it's, it's the last game. It's Sunday night. And then Monday night's a standalone. So I always felt that's why when when this thing happened, I thought it was a big mistake on NBC's part. But my team was going there and I figured, okay, I shouldn't say a big mistake. I thought it would not be as big as Monday night. Little did I realize that the league wanted Sunday night to be the big night. And they've helped to make it that way because you look at the schedule, all the great games, most of the great games, or on Sunday Night Football. And it's an incredible fork in the road moment because, and you you wrote about it a little bit in your book, right. but mm-hmm. uh, Disney had a chance to get Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football together. That's correct. And I think the price was like $1.5 billion correct. combined for both. Correct. They could have wiped it out. And they didn't do it because they thought it was a high price tag, but more importantly, or almost as important, they had a really good Sunday Night lineup. It was like Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy, and they didn't want to mess with the Sunday night lineup when they could have just moved it to Thursday. But if they get the Sunday and the Monday night, it's game over. And I don't know what happens to NBC. I mean, I'm sure NBC would have been kind of fine, but the Sunday night football has been probably their biggest asset. There there were a lot of dangling parts at that point, Bill. It's a great what if. Yeah, it's a great what if. And and part of it was- You're still at Disney. Right. If that happens, right? Sure. You're Pro- doing probably. Sunday or Monday. You're still working for one of them. Probably. You would never give up night football. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. And, and, and wouldn't have had to. Right. Uh, a lot of this was, when this happened, and I wrote about it in the book, uh, Pat Boland, who was at that time the head of the television committee, came to me. I shouldn't say came to me. I, we, we were doing a, a Denver at Cincinnati game, so I ran into Pat. We had a cup of coffee in the lobby of the hotel and he said to me uh your guys are asleep at the switch the number is a billion five and chumps change at that point and then this was this was in 04 05 was already locked but this was going to begin in 06 yeah it was going to be a six-year deal and cbs had already renewed and fox had already renewed so the two packages that were out there was sunday night and monday night both of which were controlled at that point by disney so to keep both and f- do whatever you wanted, you, Sunday night on, on uh, uh, ABC, Could have done one on ABC, ESP, whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever you, you wanted want. to do. And a lot of this, too, was that Disney needed to, to have a primetime package so that they could affect the rate increases on the sub-fees 
and and you know otherwise they would have they would have lost a ton of oh, money yeah. but they were going to get one package there was no question about it this all boiled down to do you want two and i think the feeling was at that point at disney uh there's no other bidder that ge was running Oh, that's interesting. NBC. So you think it's like the right. auction where you think you're the only you, guy with a well, check you in your want, pocket. Well, you don't want to look like a fool and go, yeah. I just bought something and everybody's laughing at you because you, you overpaid for it. Right. You never know when that's the case. The most amazing thing that happened here, though, is that Dick Ebersole, who was running NBC Sports, and remember, they had lost the NFL in oh, the yeah. late 90s. They were out of it. They were out of baseball. And they had lost the NBA. They had the Olympics. All they of a sudden, lost- NBA sports right. was the Olympics, and that's it. And then Dick, uh, running NBC Sports at the time, was very quietly negotiating with the TV committee, yeah, with the NFL, in particular, Pat Bolin. And this is what he's good at. And he's, Rubbing he's shoulders, tr- greasing people, tremendous. networking. And Bolin was also of a mind that sun- if they could make Sunday night the primary night, that's where they were going to go. So Dick was able to pull this off. What was incredible is in the middle of this, before anybody knew what was going on, Dick survives a, pl- a plane crash, which killed his youngest son. Yeah, horrible story. Terrible story. Dick was rescued by his older son charlie and dick I mean, almost died dick of course he was yeah. in the hospital in grand junction for they took him up to grand junction for uh several weeks and yet he was able to not only survive but you know go right back into the negotiations with with Bolin. and that's how it happened so when it got rebid in the spring of 05 and disney then came in and you know sort of wanted to get both packages too late. The door had already been shut because Ebersole had come in Oof. from the side. So Dick made a um, a master move. He really I did. actually think, I think the most important sports business things that happened this century, 21st century, were that and Under Armour stealing Steph Curry from Nike. Because at the time, Nike, it was a little bit similar, right? Oh, we, maybe we don't totally need Steph Curry. We have LeBron. We have all these other guys. Oh, how much does he want? Uh, Under Armour comes in, takes Steph Curry. He is now the most popular basketball player in 30 years, and he has single-handedly rejuvenated that brand. That that was an up-and-coming brand anyway, but now they have a face of it. They have the most popular athlete in any sport is the face of their brand, and it was a little bit similar, right? Nike, a tiny bit of sleep at the wheel. Well, everybody at some point is asleep at the wheel. Oh, yeah. Were you asleep at the wheel in terms of not buying Under Armour stock? Because you, you're telling <laughs> yes. me something I didn't know. And now I'm thinking, well, you know, if you would have told me that, I would have bought Ar- Listen, Under Armour stock. Nobody knew Steph Curry was going to turn into this. Correct. I mean, we, they were flashes of this guy's a performer. This guy has a chance to be a once-in-a-generation shooter. Right. Mm-hmm. But not Maravich. We didn't know he was going to be Maravich crossed with Steve Nash, crossed with I don't even know what else. It's amazing. Well, Under Armour got lucky. Yes. Look, so did NBC. You, smart, lucky, smart whatever. and lucky. No, nobody hits a home run every time they you know they go to the plate. You know that, right? Yeah. But you want to hit you know seven thirty or something like that. Then you're doing pretty well. You've been involved in a couple ones where like the Dennis Miller thing. I thought was really smart when they did it, and it just I never. And then it happened. It repeated itself with Tony. It took two times for us to realize football fans just want to hear football. People talk about football. Well, and, when, and we kind of had to, it had to be proven out. I still think Tony might've had a different chance with a different type of crew, but uh, 
it, fundamentally, it's too hard. I think Football the, means too much to people. Well, it does. And, and I mean, you, t- you take Dennis Miller, you take Tony, Tony Kornheiser. Uh, they have great takes yeah. on things. They do. But sometimes the takes don't work in the middle of between second and eight and third and four. Right. And that's the problem. So with, with Dennis Miller, and I had a lot of fun working with Dennis for two years. And you Donald, enjoyed that two Donald years. Donald Meyer brought yeah. him in. The show needed to be revamped at that point. It was kind of leaking a little bit. And Don came in. You know, Don is the bull in the china shop. And he got a lot of stuff done. You know, move business affairs off to the side. Don't bother me. The whole thing. Don can be yeah. unbelievably off-putting. But, he, you know, so Don helped to clean up the show. And Don felt to make the show relevant again what he needed to do is go outside the box bring in somebody like dennis miller so dennis miller comes in and i loved i mean when you watch dennis miller do a show uh at at a concert or he goes on the road with bill o'reilly or he's on bill o'reilly's show on fox you see dennis you see the facial expressions you see him roll his eyes you see him look confused if you are doing in a three-man booth a football game, the camera is not on you. Yeah. So a lot of the things that Dennis would say that would be hysterically funny if you could see him, or you did, you heard him, and then you'd go, "What? You got the crowd going. You got the game going on. People are watching. You know the the action." And Dennis is saying something maybe hysterical, but people are going, "What? Or be quiet. I don't want to hear you. Or shut up." So that's that's the difference. If you had a camera trained on Dennis. It would have been funny, but you, you can't do that in the middle of a game. So that's the difference. And Tony, I mean, t- Tony's got a, a, a phenomenal takes. I mean, his show with, with Lilbon, is it's a great show. I love that show. They're smart. They're relevant. They get it. They're funny. But in the middle of a game, people want to watch the game. If Tony was with you in Collinsworth, though. I don't think, no. It, Again, it would Bill, have been an interesting science experiment. I don't even know if that works. And you love Tony. You just played golf with him this weekend, sources told me. He's great. I love him. But remember, the game is the thing. Mm. People want to watch the game. Look, you're talking about Collinsworth, talking about Tom Brady before. And, and you're saying right. he, didn't like, he didn't like. So so if Chris digressed for a second, it's the same thing as what Dennis would do. Totally. Tony, they're not doing the game itself. They're digressing. And that bothers it people. It only works in baseball. Baseball right. is Base- the one that right. I think ba- a third guy Correct. can work. Because baseball, you've it's, got a, it's a pitch. Four hours. Right. And they, well, you Please have 20, digress. You have 25 seconds between pitches. Yeah. So you have a ton of time. You can weave stories. Football is is, is is fascinating. It's so great on television because you have a five-second burst, and then maybe have 25 seconds of no live action, but then you make the action because of all the phenomenal replays. When you also have... In just in the last 10 years, you have HD and widescreen, oh, which has been phenomenal. Tremendous. You have uh, everybody stole the original XFL camera behind the line of scrimmage. Tremendous. Thank you, Vince McMahon. That was great. Tremendous. Now you have the camera on the pylons. How Everywhere. great is that? Everywhere. The uh, the the NBC it where you sure. did that guy did he get across the line or not? You got right. third down markers. It's just more fun to watch football. Fantastic. Somebody somebody had like uh, there was a YouTube clip or something of it. it was Super Bowl. It was the Jackie Smith Super Bowl. Right. And uh, you just forget we didn't have any of that stuff. Stallworth caught a TD. He was out of bounds. Yeah. You know it's like no replay. That nowadays if that happened that that's not a touchdown. But just in general. You and I have had this conversation. You take the, we four, have. the four major North American sports, football. I would I would suggest that 
as an in-person experience, I'd rank it fourth. No I, question. I put hockey first, baseball and basketball hockey. are similar, oh, yeah. and then football. I'm worried if about If you're sitting quick. on the 10-yard line in the upper deck and it's 19 degrees and you have all these commercial breaks, I'm going, what, what are you even there it's for? boring. If you're sitting at home watching the game on television, oh, my God, how phenomenal. Hockey is the reverse. And you and I both love hockey. And we were there when, you know, the Kings yeah, won yeah. the Stanley Cup. There's nothing like live hockey. There's nothing like live. If you're in the building during the Stanley Cup play, well, live, live playoff is hockey is the greatest. I mean, you're dying a thousand deaths. Your yeah. team almost scores. Oh, the, the other team almost, oh, you know, you're, you're just, you're back and forth. I mean, by the time you're out of there, you're you're exhausted. I told Gary Bettman once, I said, it's the only sport where the at the end of the day, the spectators are, are, are more exhausted than the players. I mean, they run you through the ringer. But on television, it's probably, you know, it's it's number four. I'm glad you brought this up because LA is getting a football stadium finally. Right. I'm against uh, new football stadiums. I don't think America needs them. Uh, this this is one privately case, built, though. Why this not? is one case where we need it. Which it makes means- sense. I like everything about it. We don't have to pay for it. Right. We're going to have Olympics there and Super sure. Bowls and the Combine and right. all this stuff. And I think it's great. And I feel bad for the people of St. Louis, but... Just logically, it makes much more sense for a football stadium, a new one, to be in L.A. with all the things that are going on in L.A., soccer, World Cups, concerts. Agreed. We need it. It's in a nice place. NFL Network Studios are going to be there. It's it's like I always thought it was going to be Inglewood. It always made the most sense. And then when I heard he was he that Kroenke was uh, throwing out the NFL Network and we can do this and I'll take this off your hand. I knew I knew all those rich guys were going to, they're smart. They always do what's best for the bottom line. And it was the best bid. Inglewood was always the best site to so, begin with. So Rams, mm-hmm. you were here when the LA Rams were here. Yes, I was. Um, it seems like there's a lot of older Rams fans and there is a tiny bit more of a tradition than maybe we think. Cause you have Dickerson, you have the Ferragamo Super Bowl. Sure. Uh, you have the old school unis. Mm-hmm. What else do you have? Anything? Well, the young bloods. <laughs> uh, you and I may have talked about this. I forgot. I, I don't I, think I, we I, did. I've, I've told this story a few times. When I moved out here and I was a kid, set mid seventies in junior high school. Oh I, yeah, yeah. Try nineteen fifty eight. Okay, okay. I move out here. I'm, I'm in junior high school, and I moved out here on October twenty third, nineteen fifty eight. And my brother and I, you know, now we're transported 3,000 miles. I'd never been, I'd never been west of New Jersey. Right. And here we're dumped in LA and, you know, we're morose to an extent, but we have, I'd grown up in Brooklyn. So now I'm going to be back with the Dodgers. That was great. And a week and a half after we moved here on November 2nd, 1958, my father took my brother and me to the LA Coliseum. The Rams were playing the Chicago Bears. You can look this up. Beautiful day. We have good seats. The attendance that day, 100,000, 470. This is before the NFL is the NFL. This is before the Colts-Giants game, which really, you know, the overtime game, which took place later that year. 100,470. Phenomenal game. Rams won 41-35. Jaguar John Arnett had a tremendous day. Sid Gilman's coaching the Rams. This was amazing. So you're going to tell me, here we are a half a century later, and Southern California has maybe 100% more people than it did then. Yeah. You can't sell 65,000 seats. You can sell them in 10 minutes. Oh, no question. Yeah. 
And, sure. and worst case scenario, there's so many transplants here. It'll just be a place where the road team has sure. 70% of the fans. I mean, th- think of the NFL compared to what it was then. So you you're going to tell me you, you can draw 100,000 people in 1958. They And people, you know, you know, all these Eastern writers for years, oh, all they do out there is they, they surf and they go to the beach. And I'm, what? I mean, right. You can't find 65,000 people who want to go to football games. I The people I've talked to, are very excited that the NFL is coming back. And, you know, people of a certain age are very excited that the Rams are coming back. You're going to have a big blue-collar population that's much bigger than people think, I think, about the L.A. and the extended areas. And you're also going to have rich a lot of rich people jockeying for the suites, the best seats, sure. all that stuff. There's no question it's going to work. My question is, could two teams work? Believe- that's where I think it gets a little dicey. I, I'm not against it, but I think it's dicey. Again, I go back to Southern California has over 20 million people. Yeah. That's and growing. A big base. Growing. Yeah. I mean, there are 20 million people. That's bigger than a lot of countries. Right. That's, well, as, that's as big as Scandinavia. But somebody's going to be the Clippers in this scenario. Probably. But the Clippers, by the way, make a lot of money. Right. So can a second team come in and make money? Of course. If the Chargers, who have the option to come here next year, they're going to play in San Diego. And they will. And chances are, unless the the, uh, vote passes for them and they get a stadium in San Diego, I would imagine they would. The Chargers will be worth a lot more in Los Angeles, even as the second team. And their fans can come to the games. I mean, it's it's an hour 45. Right. It's not like they're moving to Hawaii. Right. But I I just don't think... You know, I I feel bad for the San Diego fans, but I don't understand how you can justify building a new football stadium in San Diego. What's going to be in it? You're going to have eight football games a year and five concerts, and then you're done. What else? What else can go in there? That's the thing people forget with these stadiums is there's not enough things to put in a stadium. You can have a convention there, I guess, but yeah. ultimately, like in LA, we'll actually use this LA stadium. This is something that is needed now the forums next to it. I think it's a focal point if the if the LA gets the Olympics. You think LA is going to get the Olympics, right? I think it has a decent chance. I'm not sure it's LA's a good gonna, chance. Well, I mean, you got, you know, Paris is involved in this and what Hamburg, Germany, the, I forget who else is involved, Rome. Uh Yeah, I mean, I think LA has a decent chance. But, you know, remember LA wasn't even the first choice of the US Olympic Committee. Your right. town was. What oh, and happened? Now. What happened? Knocked it out of there. They did. I said from day one, it was the worst idea I'd ever heard. You can't put the Olympics in Boston. They don't want it. It's too provincial. They don't want all these people coming in for it. They don't even like when the head of the Charles comes in for a weekend. I I thought all Boston liberal thinkers welcome the world. Get those people out of there. They don't want people building stuff. I defer to you on all Boston people are trained not to trust construction construction promises after the big dig. You think? Oh, yeah. It was never going to (laughs) work. Wait, quickly. LA, let's talk about uh, uh, the OJ show. And right, the 20th Fox? anniversary stuff, like 20, I guess 22nd anniversary. But uh, this this FX thing has rejuvenated the OJ. And now ESPN has this thing that's going to be really good this summer, too, that's coming out. But yep. in general, there's been an OJ nostalgia renaissance. Are people <laughs> right. bringing it up to you? Well, yeah. People have said to me, you're going to watch the OJ uh, FX thing. I guess that's on. I, I watched the first episode. I don't even think the second has the second one aired yet. It was know. last night. It was spectacular. Was it last night? No, I, 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 I'm recording Listen, the when whole you can series. get Malcolm Jamal Warner and, and Cuba Gooding Jr. and a white Bronco reenacting the Bronco chase, you they yeah. didn't they didn't call on you though. They didn't have an actor playing you. I don't think. No, and and, and I'm 
very happy about that too. I mean, yeah. I thought I, uh, some of the I saw the. Uh, I mean, it's a good cast. Uh, Travolta as uh, Bob Shapiro, a little over the top. Schwimmer. But that's Travolta, though. Yeah, but he I was mean, in that, I knew mode. You know, I knew all those people, and I know. that was Shapiro wasn't that kind of. And, and meanwhile, I'm, I'm watching the thing, uh, the first episode, and the actress who plays Marsha Clark, you know, the curly hair and all that. You know, Sarah Paulson. She, she, Sarah Paulson looked like Marsha Clark, but you know, this this is where, and you can't blame them. I mean, this can't be a, a total documentary. Everything is a thousand percent correct. So there's a little bit of. Well, lit- I don't think they lit- wanted literary. it to be correct. No, and th- but theatrical. But I, mean, I thought it was there was some very realistic scenes. I thought yeah. the Cato Kalin character reminded me a lot of Cato Kalin. No question about that. And you that, knew Cato Kalin, right? I, a little bit because I used to play tennis at OJ's house. Yeah. And Cato was hanging around in the back there, so I I I'd met him. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself though in this script, when Marsha Clark gets the call and she hears about this. Uh, double homicide, and then she, in the script anyway, uh, pretends that or contends that she doesn't even know who O.J. Simpson is. I'm going, what? That can't be true. I mean, if Marsha Clark didn't know who O.J. Simpson was, no wonder she lost the the trial. I mean, come right. on, every, everybody knows who. So again, that's probably something that was in the script. Uh, you know, and then the guy's like, "Come on, the juice, O.J. Simpson. He ran for seven for two thousand yards. Right? He, they yeah. tried to do the the TV movie sum up O.J.'s football career as the right. guy's talking. I really enjoyed that. Right? No, I, I thought some some of the scenes were great, and uh, you know, they, they looked like they didn't. I think they shot him in Hancock Park. Some of those scenes. You think so? Yeah, I heard they, that they did. Not Brentwood. not in Brentwood. No, because- it's funny though. I've lived in L.A. now for almost, I guess, thirteen and a half years. Yeah. It's it's every year I'm here, it becomes more unbelievable to me that all of this happened in Brentwood. No Brentwood kidding. is the quietest, most unexciting city in America. Well, Nothing happens in Brentwood. I, oh, oh yeah, no, nothing. I've, I've lived there for thirty years. It's don't yeah, for, I know you have. Don't, don't That's forget, why I bring this up. Don't forget who we've also had beside OJ. Who around the same time? Monica Lewinsky was from Brentwood. What? Didn't you know that? No. Come on. That blows my mind. There you go. Bad choice. Of so words. don't talk about the the late great quiet Brentwood, right? Because we've 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 had our share of stuff. In the it's last just amazing. Decades. Like even there's a scene in the first movie yeah. where this woman who was driving in Brentwood got cut off by somebody that she yeah. thought was O.J. Simpson, and she's like, and he cut me off and he yelled at me, and I'm like, that was like the second craziest thing that's ever happened well, in the history of Brentwood. This OJ cutting off this lady. Because even that, that doesn't By the way, I never I never heard that. And she's going to the soup plantation yeah, that's at 1045 at night. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's Jeffrey Tubin's book. There's a lot of stuff yeah. in there. I knew a lot about a lot because I know all the people and I'm yeah. living in the middle of this whole thing. But there are some things I, I didn't know. When I, I saw that, I said, did that really happen? I never heard that. I never heard that. Unbelievable time for gossip and dinner party chatter and all that Insane. stuff, right? The next it's two all, years. What'd you any, hear? Everybody knew somebody. It's all anybody wanted to talk about. Yeah. And it was, what was surreal is living in the middle of the scene of what was then the crime of the century. Yeah. In terms of of of, of getting airtime and publicity and all of that. Helicopters. Yeah, it probably was the crime of the century. Did it, did it hurt the Brentwood, like... Uh, I don't know the appeal of living in Brentwood no, at all. Or did it, it help? You know, it? Every, look, everything has a shelf life. So for a number of months, people would want to go by Bundy and look at the yeah, scene, yeah. and go by Rockingham and see where OJ lived. Blah 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 blah. Go by uh, Metzaluna, uh, the restaurant which is long gone on uh, 
on uh Yeah, Metzlin is gone. I was gonna yeah, ask you about that. That's long. But and then and then when OJ was acquitted, then you had a few more people out there. But you know, right now what they've done, I mean, if you drove by the Bundy site, they've changed it around and you wouldn't even know where to look if you didn't oh, know where it was. You, you act like I haven't done this. You act like I haven't done like, this with Google and, and tried what, to what actually find the every, house. Every, every I did like days? the first year I was here. Of course. And it was gone. And we're like, was, where is it? And that we was part find of it. the tour. You yeah. had to see. Everybody who came out here, this was the one thing they had to see. You had to. Where was the murder? Where did OG live? Yeah. Right. It was, but that's, you know, I, I guess you get a few people who go by now, and but it's been two decades. All right, we're trying something. Uh, I want to do a speed round with you. I did oh, this with Obama. It was really fun. Oh, my God. Um, so you got to keep your answers short because we're going to rip through this. Right, okay. You're, you're name dropping already, right? You did Obama, so now you got me. That was a good name drop, wasn't it? That was a fantastic yeah. name drop. Yeah, Barack and I did this once. Uh, did you call him Barack? Barack. Yeah, I call him Barack now. Okay. Uh, your dream golf foursome. My dream golf foursome? Yeah, you can invite any other three people. You know who I played golf with twice? I've been lucky enough to play with Bush 43. Okay. He is great, great, great. A great hang. Okay, so Bush 43, who else? Who's your other two? He's in there. Uh, Kornheiser? Kornheiser? (laughs) Peyton Manning. Again, I played with Peyton. I played with with So Bush Bush 43, Peyton Manning. Somebody else who I'd like to play with? Oh, God. You know? A speed round is not going well. (laughs) Speed. These, these, this, this is, is not like, speedy at all. But you know what? You can edit the tape and make the seem as no, if I, I've, I like, I've got the answers faster here. So, so, so far, Putin and his wife on dinner. You know who it, we know who it would have been up until a couple of years ago, but unfortunately, I was supposed to have dinner with him one point set up by Collinsworth was Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong oh. was the one guy I, I always wanted to have dinner with, always. Who have you played the most golf with over the last 10 years? Doc Rivers? A lot. Oh, yeah, your buddy Doc. Have, have you... Uh, Doc reached, and I are great. You've reached your rapprochement. I think we're uh, totally fine. I served as the mediator on that. You know that. Well, Wilbon can... also claims that he did. So you got to solve. You got to well, hold on a second. But I mean, Wilbon know, takes a lot of credit. Right. Well, Both you of know. you helped too. Thank you. Uh, best golf course you ever played. Uh, I've got my holy trinity. Yeah. Ready? Augusta. We use it's Augusta. Yeah. Cypress Point, which is you know on the shore up by Pebble Beach. And Royal County down in Northern Ireland. Speed round is becoming speedy now. It's, it's becoming pretty good. That's that's a, that's my holy trinity, of, of course. Is is not doing the Masters your biggest broadcasting regret? No, because I'm I, I've I've rarely done golf, uh, and uh, I'd rather, I, frankly, I'd, I'd rather watch it. Golf okay. is it's, golf is not something I ever aspired to announce. It's a different animal. And, What's your and, biggest broadcasting regret? Thing you didn't get to do. I've gotten to do everything. I would say if I have a small regret, it's that baseball, which I loved to do, went away too early. I, you know, we lost. I did. I did. I did the fourteen years of Monday Night Baseball on ABC. Right. Fourteen. I've done eight World Series. Did you do Chambliss's walk off when no, the fans rushed the field? I had the other. I had the other series. You did. But right. No, that's the, too bad. The, that the, was a great one. Oh, it was fantastic. You, you did know, Dankinger, though. You did I, I did Dankinger. I, did, I had the 85 World Series. I had the earthquake in 89. Yeah, yeah. I had, uh, we split it with NBC in 95, Cleveland, Atlanta. I mean, for a guy who's done eight World Series, I feel like somebody else did it in some, some other life. Yeah. And when we lost it, I loved baseball. She missed baseball, though. Bill, I, I did miss it. I don't now. I mean, it's been so long. 
I don't miss it now. It's too boring. It's- well, I, I loved doing it. I enjoyed doing it. I built my career around baseball. So that would be my only re- regret. Do a Collinsworth imitation. Uh, I had a look into Tom Brady's eyes. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, is Here's there- my other regret. I didn't do one more year of the NBA to just to piss you off a little bit more. You were getting better. I was getting better. I was better. so impressed. You, I know. You were, you were improving. I was, I was, I was in, I just wanted when I, you know, the funny thing is when I did the NBA. You didn't want to do it. No, 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 that no. That was no, you're wrong. You didn't want to do it. I know you didn't want to do it. You got talked you into it. Hold on. You didn't care. No. I, I, I wanted to do it once I got into it because. Yeah. It was fun. I had a blast doing it, but I didn't have the confidence that I had in baseball and football. So it took me a while to get up to speed because remember when I went to do the NBA, I had like a a 15 or 20 year blank period leading up to it where I really didn't follow it that closely. So if I do baseball or football, the tapestry in my mind, I can play it out and I can go, you know, 10 years ago, 15, here's what's relevant versus what happened, uh, you know, in history. In the NBA, I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. I have this, I have this big It's like amnesia blank. almost, yeah. yeah. So, um, is there an announcer that you're a tiny bit jealous of? Jealous of? Yeah. No. No, okay. why? All I right. mean, you know. This I, is a speed I'm, round. You don't I, have to answer. I know. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've, I've lived out every dream I could possibly have had in this business. Best looking celebrity who ever hit on you. Really? You've been married since 1966. I think your wife would. Correct. Have- I don't want to say Angie Dickinson, but she was very nice to me on a Angie plane about Dickinson. 25 years ago. She, she wasn't was hitting on me. Policewoman. Well, I she know, was very friendly. She was very friendly, and she was in, she liked horse racing, and I was sitting next door on a plane. So you felt like she in another lifetime, you might have had a chance. Yeah. Policewoman was incredible. One she of my first great. crushes as a little there, kid. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and I want this to be, you know, some, some website's going to have Angie Dickinson hit no, on you're Michael. doing great. It didn't happen. The she fans was, love speed round. No, I know it. I know, but I, I, I want to um, have it. I want I want context in the speed round. One quarterback ever, three-minute drill, you're down four. You get 302 on the clock. You got to go 80 yards. You have to pick one QB. Your life's on the line. Montana. I think that might be He's mine too, as much as I love Brady. Oh, yeah. I mean, you it's can Montana name, or Brady, you, you right? Name a bunch of guys. Brady's second, Brady 1B. Well, what about Peyton? No, you don't, you know, no, I, you're, a, you're a Boston here. guy. Get out of here, Peyton. How many guys do I have to name here? Just stop it. Best looking celebrity you ever saw in person? Best looking celebrity. Best looking one. The one where you're like, wow, unbelievable. Sophia Loren. Sophia Loren. And not that many years ago. Looks either. great now. She's like no 80. No kidding. She looks fantastic. No kidding. I saw her maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. Best Super Bowl location. Super Bowl can only be one place for the next 50 years. If San Diego had a good stadium, that would be it. That's okay. Perfect. Yeah. Because mm. the we- the weather's good. There's nothing like great. blue sky, sunshine. I would pick Miami, but I wish the Miami uh, stadium no, was better. Not me. Uh, favorite partner you've ever had? Linda Michaels. <laughs> Oh, such a great answer. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> Most embarrassing TV moment you ever had? Most embarrassing. You know, well, see, you could go, you you had all kinds of jobs. Yeah, for, I mean, for, fortunately, nothing, there nothing was no bad. horrible moment. Okay. No, no horror. There were a couple of, you know, there was a moment in time we had Leslie Visser was our sideline reporter on Monday night in Jacksonville in the mid-90s. And I was told it was a, a minute and a half commercial. It turned out to be 30 seconds. And I'm screwing around with, you know, Leslie going back and forth. And I had, you know, a couple of- When you of, guys were on the couple, air? Yeah. I think I said shit. So <laughs> shit got on the air. But, you know, That's so That's embarrassing. What? That's it's, a good it's answer. It's sort of embarrassing these days. Who cares? 
Yeah. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, you once upon a time tested people out for the dating game. That was my first job. That was really your first job. Okay. I got out of Because I saw that on Wikipedia and I never believe anything I, I read no, on I, Wikipedia. I worked for Chuck Barris. Okay. So Linda, in fact, not only was I helping to pick the, the girls who went on dating game, but I just got married at that point. So it, it all worked out. You have to drive cross country with one of these two people, Chick Hearn or Boomer Esiason. He's so bad. Well, Chick Hearn is dead. So he's alive. In this scenario you know, is alive. Do I Boomer Esiason or Chick Hearn's corpse? <laughs> no, Chick, Chick Hearn's back. You are, you are so bad. Your best Pete Rose story. You were in Cincinnati with him for a couple of years. Yeah, you might uh, have to have one great Pete Rose story. I, can I give you two? Sure, okay. please. I mean, we, there's no yeah, yeah. There's no there's no uh, end point here. Two, uh, and I talk about them both in my book. Number one, when I'm doing the Reds, the first year we have an off day in spring training, and you know Pete and I knew we loved horse racing. We oh, loved, you get, yeah. we, we love playing gym. <laughs> all of that. You connected with so Pete. Pete. Pete takes some uh, batting practice in the morning. We get in the car. At about 12 o'clock with Bob Herschel, who was the beat writer for the Cincinnati Inquirer at the time. And we went to Florida Downs, which I think is called Tampa Bay Downs, whatever it is right now. It's an Oldsmar across the uh, across the water. And we went to a full afternoon of horse racing. Yeah. Then we got in the car and we went down to Derby Lane in St. Petersburg, which is where they had Greyhound racing. Okay. So we had a full, a full card of that. We go back into Tampa where we're staying across the Gandhi Bridge. And at the end of the Gandhi Bridge, it's about 11 o'clock at night, is a high-life fronton. But the high-life fronton would have a late double. So we stopped there to bet two highlight games. Highlight. Yeah. So we did we did a full pre-highlight scandal, late 70s. There Remember you go. that? Giant highlight scandal. Well, yeah. So we, we who cared? It was a yeah. you know, we had a paramutual window. So we did that. So we we had we had a full day of horse racing. An evening of dog of greyhound racing and then two highlight games. The other one, and that was a mellow night for Pete Rose from a gambling Pete, standpoint. It was just, yeah. a, just another night. Yeah, but you know, look, it, Pete had gotten his work in that day, so then right. he needed to get his gambling Jones in. Okay, the other one would be in the nineteen seventy three National League Championship Series. Mets, the Reds, and the Mets. The Reds, a phenomenal team. Uh, heavily favored to win. The Mets had won 82 games that year. That's all. And that was enough to win the National League East. Yeah. So the Reds win the uh, the first game on home runs in the eighth and ninth inning by Rosen Bench. Beat Tom Seaver, but John Mac Matlack beats the Reds in game two. We go to New York for game three. I love this, that you can remember all this. This is the game. Game three is the game where Rose tries to break up a double play barrels into Bud Harrelson, and they get into Big a fight. fight. Good fight. Which leads to everybody throwing crap out of the, um, the stands at Pete uh, in left field, and the peace party goes out there, which includes Yogi Berra. Willie Mays is playing for the Mets at the time. That was sad. Rusty Staub, Tom Seaver, and the game continues, and the, the Mets win the game. So this is the best of five. So the Mets, big underdog, is now they're up two games to one. The Reds have their backs to the wall. The Reds were, I mean, we had a tremendous team, great personalities, and the bus rides were always very lively. But we go out to Shea Stadium for the fourth game, staying at the Roosevelt Hotel in New York. It's a very quiet bus ride, unlike any ride I'd ever been on with the Reds. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, man, what's going on? It's a day game. 
We get to Shea Stadium and there are 500 people outside the gates and they're throwing eggs, rocks, batteries, the whole thing, all kinds of signs. Fuck you, Pete. I can say that here on a yeah. podcast. Yes, you can. And uh, so as we, we, we were driving in through the gate and Pete was sitting there at the front of the bus, he gets up and he looks back to the team from the front of the bus and he goes, all right, do or die, do or fucking die like that. Let's go. So this was the, the pep talk that Pete gave in the bus. So we, we get, he needs all kinds of security. I mean, it's like crazy. So what happens in that game? The game goes to extra innings. Mets trying to clinch the pennant. The Reds come up in the top of the 12th inning, and Pete Rose hits a home run off Harry Parker to give the Reds a 2-1 to lead. And they win the game. Two to one, as the Reds hold the Mets. So it sends it to a fifth game, which the Mets would eventually win. So I'm on the bus with Pete after the game. And I always used to love to either sit next to him or across from him because, you know, he it was like getting a, a PhD. Yeah. And I said to Pete, can you put into, um, into words what you're thinking as, you know, you've hit the home run? And only Rose could come up with something like this. She goes, well, you know, I'm rounding first base, and you can look into our bullpen, and I'm thinking the Mets have Milner and Staub, two left-handed hitters, coming up in the bottom of the 12th inning. Sparky better get Tom Hall, a lefty, up in the bullpen. I'm going, really? And you know what? He's not making that up. Right. He's thinking, it's two to one. That's history. Sparky better get Tom Hall up. I mean, whoa. So in my mind, you know, Pete, it's unfortunate because it's sad. It's not tragic. It's sad what happened to Pete. As a manager, strategically, nobody would know more than he did. Nobody. In terms of how you run a football, uh, run, run a baseball team, I don't know. He, when I was growing his, up. He had his positives and negatives. But I, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll conclude with the fact that I think Pete, Pete's the most exciting athlete I've ever covered. Really? Oh, yeah. Because he gave... A hundred percent, a true hundred percent around the clock. He played a spring training game in Bradenton, Florida, the same way he did the seventh game of the World Series. And I've seen both. I've seen it with my own eyes. When I was growing up, he was the guy. In the 70s, he was the yeah. best player of the 70s. There was nobody when better you think than Pete about Rose. It, when I'm a kid growing up, I'm going, the only record that could never be broken is Ty Cobb's hit record. Because you would have to have more than 200 hits yeah. a season over 21 years. Nobody does that. He, he, did was, he was an animal. He did it. Um, I went too long on that, didn't I? No, that was good. Okay. That, I enjoyed that, though. Some speed round. Um, speed round. I, I'm, tell, I'm telling eight-minute stories we're almost speed done. round here. Rank these games. Dankinger, uh, Malcolm Butler, Henderson, Norwood. Uh, rank those games. The Henderson game. Best baseball game I ever saw. That's Boston and, and California. Um Wow, Henry, over Denkinger. Yeah. Okay. Because it's a more entertaining game. Yeah, it was a more. Yeah, it was the a more police around the field. Gene right. Mock. The, you have the, everything. The cop, you know, you got horse, it's amazing cops on horseback. Mock's going to win the uh, and and Gene Autry's going to win. You know his. Do you remember in the ninth inning the Buckner Series? came up? Buckner was the heart of that of Red Sox Red Sox team, which nobody and he was yelling at Mike Witt, trying to get in his head. Do you remember this? I remember everything. He was I leaning remember forward. He was like calling him Buckner like an MF -er. Buck. Buckner was getting a shot in his, in his ankle every yeah. day. He was the heart of, of that whole season. Thing. It's one of the saddest things I've ever I seen. I Bill Buckner, who is not a Hall of Famer, but he's he was close. He had twenty what twenty eight hundred hits. 
that's a hell of a career. He was unbelievable that year. He and was tremendous. I was in the car with my daughter. She lost the state cup game this weekend. And the other team scored a goal that rolled through our goalie's legs. Right. And I was like, that was like, we're driving back. And I was like, that was like a Bill Buckner play. And she's like, who's Bill Buckner? Yeah. I told her the whole story. I'm like, we're up 5-3, two outs, bottom of the 10th, yeah. single, 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 bring in a new reliever, wild pitch, tie game, ground ball right through the guy's legs. And she was like, yeah. Were they mean to him after? And I was like, yeah, yeah, they, they were actually very, yeah. very, very mean to him. And uh, it's just sad because he was like the, he was like he the heart and soul on, of that he, team. He should have been on the disabled list. Yeah, he should have. So, he, so he's yelling at Mike Witt, yeah. gets on base. Baylor hits the underrated homer of the inning. Correct. Pitching change. Correct. And then the guy gets on, Hendu. Right. Boom. Right. And then we almost lost in the bottom of the ninth, which nobody no remembers. No kidding, of course. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Well, Bobby Gritch base- popped out? Gritch in the sense that Steve yeah. Crawford. He couldn't bring Chiraldi in because he couldn't trust Chiraldi at that point. Because had number one guy. all-time meltdown that right. weekend. The night before. Yeah. Remember, the night before, they blew they, they blew a 3 nothing lead. Total meltdown. That's why I didn't trust Chiraldi, even in the game Correct. six Mets, because it was like I'd already seen him meltdown. That you is- get that crazy look on his face. All right, so you have Steve- Henderson first. All right, Henderson first. Uh, you, all right. Butler second. Just well, admit probably, the yeah, Butler game was out. unbelievable. That was such a great game. Awesome. I mean, game. the game was great. The way had the curse ended, catch, but tremendous. The whole thing, you know, with with everything that was going on around that game, the two best teams in football, tremendous. Um, so then Dankager and Norwood. Well, I mean, three and three a basically. Okay. I mean the the Norwood game. Is Giants Bills? So, you know, people who don't remember what we're talking about here. It's yeah. Giants Bills. Bills are a juggernaut. Right. It's in the middle of Desert Storm. They did a lot of, they did a retrospective on the Super Bowl pre- Whitney Houston. This week. Whitney Houston's national anthem, the whole thing, country kind of changing. You know, security was nothing like I'd ever seen. And, uh, yeah. And the Denkinger game was, you know, look, the Denk, if it was today, that, that call would have been overturned. Yeah. Replay. No question. Yeah. Uh, USC alums or UCLA alums? In terms of what? That's the question. My kids both went to USC. Okay, so. there you go. Pat Hayden's uh, a good buddy. But I've always loved UCLA. Too. Best up-and-coming play-by-play guy? Guy who you think is the next you, potentially? Well, there are a lot of good guys out there that I, I hear. I think Chris Don't Fowler be- really does a nice job on uh, on college football, I, I really do. I think you know Chris. Chris is thought yeah, but of, he's older than I am, though. Well, but I'm saying he he hasn't done or didn't do a lot of play by play till recently. I think Dan Schulman does a really good job on on baseball. The times I've heard him, Sean McDonough. Uh, again, these guys have been around for a while. Kevin Burkhart, I think, does a really good job. I was going to say Burkhart's my guy. Kevin, I think yeah, he's the next Kevin's, guy. Kevin's a, he does a really good job. You know what? I love Burkhart. There was this uh, rain delay in the playoffs. Yeah, and he had Rose, Pete Rose, A Rod. Uh, Frank Thomas and and uh, CJ Nikowski, I forget who the right. fifth guy was. Yeah. And there was a rain delay, and they had to basically ad lib for a half hour. Yeah. And that was when I did TV. That was always my favorite because yeah. ESPN had to script their shows so carefully. We're just basically rehearsing a play. So I used sure. to love when we had to fill because that's when it was actually TV and you're ad libbing. And Burkhart was unbelievable. And that's why I was like, that guy's the next guy. I had more fun uh, doing rain delays when I was yeah. doing baseball. That's yeah. that's and when you're that's when you're making your bones. If you can ad lib, that's that's it. In Cincinnati, you know, we had a ton of rain delays because of the weather in Cincinnati in the summertime. So I I, I All right. Only a couple I got my more. chops there and then I went to San Francisco. We didn't have very many rain delays. 
When did you know that OJ did it? How many days after? Well, it, it took a while for it to be, you know, there was always... How many more times did you play tennis with them there, before you zero. realized? There, oh, okay. there, was, there, was a, there was a measure of doubt. You know, you, you didn't know whether he did or he didn't for a while. And then, the, you know, the longer it went on, then you realized, well, and especially... Not I even in say, the car chase you didn't? You weren't, oh, he did it by then or no? I, I wrote about this in the book. Very few people would understand the human condition better than Howard Bingham, who was Muhammad Ali's photographer. Yeah. Right? An iconic photographer. And anybody, somebody who had been around Ali his whole life. And Howard Bingham was a hugely intelligent man. And Bingham was on the plane sitting across the aisle from O.J., that night, when OJ got on the flight to Chicago, the red eye with his golf bag, you know, checked at the curb. And I, I remember seeing an interview with Howard Bingham in which somebody said, would you have had any idea? He said, absolutely not. So when I saw that interview and I thought, if Howard Bingham, and he, he knew OJ, so apparently they had some conversation on that flight, and he goes, he didn't see anything that would lead him to believe that anything had happened. I'm going, wait a second. How could somebody commit a heinous double murder with blood curdling screams that nobody heard on Bundy because it was a while before they found the bodies. Yeah. And Howard Bingham says, I didn't see anything different. I'm going, wait a second. <laughs> so that there were a lot of confusing aspects. To this. We didn't know all of the facts at that point. People are jumping to all kinds of conclusions. He definitely did it. He couldn't have done it. You know, to me, I'm a guy. I need, I want facts. Everybody can have an opinion. Except with Deflategate. Except for Deflategate. That's the only time you didn't want facts. facts. You didn't want facts so for that. You, know, you just like Collinsworth go. And, and I, you know, again, in the book, I talk about when I, I went to, you know, I was on the list to visit OJ. I was a friend of his. I was a colleague of his. We had worked the Olympics together. Uh, did all the track and field in 1984. And I was a little unnerved when OJ would say, I can't believe they thought I did it, as opposed to, God damn it, I didn't do this. Yeah. And that was... He didn't protest enough for you. Right. I mean, if you didn't do something like that, wouldn't you be banging on the walls? Yeah, you'd be going crazy. You'd be going crazy. Three so, more. I'm sorry? Three more speed round questions. Three more speed round. Yeah, we're done. We've done uh, this for about an hour and a half. This is on speed round. Go ahead. Um, what's the second most exciting thing that ever happened in Brentwood? The second most exciting yeah, thing? Yeah, the OJ thing was the most exciting. Right. When, no, so Monica, what's second? But Monica Lewinsky didn't happen in Brentwood, but she was No, I meant Brentwood. in Brentwood. It has to be in Brentwood. Has to be in Brentwood? In Brentwood. Uh, <laughs> I think you're proving my point. I am. I, yeah. I, I, I know why you're asking me this, because... You right. know what? We're just well, kind of a sleepy little Hamlet. I know you are. What's, uh, what's the second most? I don't know. The the marathon comes through there. Yeah. Who the hell knows? Uh, <laughs> best fan base for football when you're at the game. The crowd that gets you the most excited to be there. Well, there were there are two stadiums where it's almost a college atmosphere. Number one, Green Bay is special. I mean, you can't compare that to anything else. This is what. That area is about. It yeah. is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, what other 
what other city could you just say the name of the city and then of course Packers you say Green Bay Packers so Green Bay's one Green Bay's one and I've always loved going into Kansas City because everybody's dressed in red yeah they built a stadium I mean the design was uh laid out in the 60s they built it in the early 70s and it still looks pretty darn good yeah no no other city that I can think of built a stadium that long ago and it still looks good. You know, they've refurbished it a little bit, but Arrowhead Stadium has always had a big time feel for me. Uh, you know, the national anthem home of the Chiefs. I need to go. They, they I did. still haven't seen the game there. In I need Kansas to City, see it. It's yeah. cool. It's very cool. I, I used to love doing baseball there too. Good baseball stadium. I mean, they were way ahead of their time there by building. They were the first city to build, you know, separate facilities with a common parking lot for the football and baseball teams. They they got it right. They really did. Still, it's a great place to watch a baseball or a football game. They got it right. So Kansas City's fun, it, especially you know, when the Chiefs are doing well. Uh, there's, there's a buzz in, in that place. Um, what are you going to do for the next six months? I'm going to uh, begin to study up for the Olympics. Oh. And the Olympics? To, uh, yeah, doing Rio. Daytime I can't host. believe you haven't gotten out of that yet. Get, Can you got, do it from here? Can I do it from here? I'm not going go. to Rio. I want to go. I'm staying out of there. Come on. That mosquito, you know I'm out. Bill. When you there's killer mosquitoes, I'm out. Bill. I'm out. Every Olympics I've done. There's something scary. The press scares the hell out of people. Well, it worked for me. I'm yeah. going to be here. Let me tell you something. So Richard Engel, who's a terrific foreign correspondent for NBC News, he's great. You know, you yeah. never know where he is. He's in the middle of Syria. You know, he's in Bangladesh. He's at the North Pole. He's everywhere. So I got to meet Richard in Sochi, Russia, yeah. two, two years ago. And Richard comes into my dressing area and he says, let me ask you a question. He says, why are there no people here? I go, why? Because you scared the piss out of them. You scared my wife from coming. You scared Bob Costas' wife. You scared every wife. You scared everybody. I said, yeah. you're the one. He said, well, no, 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 no. I said, I said, Richard, you're the guy. I said, we were we we were going to be under attack. By the way, I never felt safer in my life than I did in Sochi. Why? Because there's nobody the, there. You know, you got the Black Sea. Yeah. I mean, what, what was terrorists are going to come in on a PT boat? Like what? So, and then it was surrounded by mountains, and we were, and, and most of the events were in one, you know, like Olympic Park, and it was impossible to get in there. Who's going to come in there? So you're the so, daytime host of the Olympics. Right. And anyway, so let's see. What, what else was going to happen? Oh, London. Don't forget, London turned out to be phenomenal. London was awesome. Phenomenal. That was the best. But you, you went, right? Best family experience but remember, we ever remember had. remember what, what the press set up for you? We're going to have rocket launchers oh, yeah, terrorists on apartment in the buildings. Subways, We're yeah. going to have submarines in the Thames. Come on. And it's always going to be the weather. The LA, remember LA 84? Oh, smog. Yeah. Terrorism, traffic. There was smog. City never. There was no smog during the Olympics. Because everybody left. That's right. Whatever it was. So I mean, don't don't be afraid to come. Right, to but Rio. I don't lose. Don't lose. Wear sight a mosquito net. Come come to Rio with me. Don't lose sight. I know you're going to start studying for the Olympics, but don't lose sight of the eye and the prize. You and Collinsworth have to go in and do the friends thing. Million a game each. Yep. And then an extra million, just just out of respect. Well, we can't go six million we, for we, five games. We, we need an agent. I'm your agent. I'm just telling you, go right what in. Percentage like, do you, what percentage do you want? No, I, just, I, I, I owe you for the six great podcasts you've given me. You go in together. Right. We want one million a game each. Yep. And an extra million out of respect. 
That's what you say. And it's not negotiable. Is this like your HBO deal? Is this what you're <laughs> no. Tell I want me you guys about your to be HBO deal. Of. Huh? I want you guys to be taken care of. We're, this is a big we're, thing. We're I'm worried about you doing two games in the same week. I, I, I don't want you guys to suffer. You had an unbelievable year. We'll survive. Yeah. Trust me. Just I'm make, worried about you. Make them pay. I'm worried about you. You're going to be on the HBO show. I, I want to be. Yeah. yeah, you're going to be when on. When does this happen? It's this summer. All right. Sometime this summer, it'll be good. So that's what you—that's what you're doing over the. Next I want to team you up with? in an interview with somebody that you would be excited to do an interview. So it'd be me, you, and one other person. Don't tell me now, though. But okay. think about it. Okay. That it'll be good. That, that we can have cool. an awesome conversation. Yeah. That'll be that, fun. That'd be great. All right. This was fun. Thank you for thank this, you for coming have, by. We've as done, always, we've done a bunch of these every right one now. of them has been great. Really, I, I feel like we're five for five or six for six, whatever. I think we're five. Although the five. highlight was when I surprised you with the Hawaii Five O footage. That was fabulous. You didn't know that was coming. You no, you you I were dying. That. that was the best. I played the young uh, attorney, Dave Bronstein. <laughs> Dave Bronstein. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where's Dave, he these days? <laughs> Dave Bronstein slash Al Michaels. There thank we you go. As always. I want to be on as much as like cousin Sal. Yeah, absolutely. You could be my gambling expert. Okay. Thank you.